Hello again, everybody, and War Eagle. Welcome to episode eight of the Plainsman Podcast. I'm your host, Mason Kilgore. Uh, we've been away for a little while, but we are happy to be back. Uh, we're missing one of our crew members tonight. Marcus is sitting out, so it's just me and Brett, but we're going to catch y'all up on everything going on with Auburn. Uh, we've had a lot happen since the last time we talked to y'all, so we're going to try to catch up on as much of it as possible. Uh, we're going to talk about the Masters from this weekend. And the MLB season has started, so we're pretty excited about that. So let's go ahead and get started with the Plainsman Podcast. All right, Brett, let's start with the uh, sport that's in season right now, and it is this pathetic Auburn baseball team that we all had high hopes for coming into the season um we're you're gonna start early with a letdown huh yeah yeah might as well there's only one way to go from here um we're 28 games in and we're 12 and 16 overall and we're 1 and 11 in conference play now here's the only ray of sunshine the one win we had was against (laughs) number one arkansas go figure in true auburn fashion um Dude, what is it? Like, like honestly, I, if I had the answer, then I would I'd probably get paid to be a college baseball coach. But I mean, the the bullpen, you know, has kind of let us down. Our starting pitchers is not have not been performing like we thought they were going to. Our our bats have actually been decently hot. We're scoring runs. Yeah. Um, we're hitting when we need to. Uh, it's just, I mean, the run support's there. It's just the this pitching staff seems to be lacking. And I did not foresee that before the season started at all. Yeah, I, I didn't think that halfway through conference play we were going to be sitting here talking about the pitching being the problem. Um, dude, on paper, this team looks so good. And, you know, we talked about it before the season started about the coaching staff, you know, having Tim Hudson on the staff. That's going to help the pitching and the bullpen. And it's not. It's just not. And I don't know if – I don't know if Tim wasn't ready or if maybe we're not giving him enough time. You know, I mean, I guess this is kind of his first season being back in the college game, but, dude, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, you it mentioned, is his first season, but it's not It's not like these pitchers are new to pitching. Like, right, that's true. That's true. Like, I, don't, I guess getting a pitching coach, sure, he can tweak some things, but overall you don't really want to change a whole pitcher's delivery or anything, so – I, I just don't know what it is. I mean, teams are mashing the ball. Yeah. Well, I think a little bit of it too, Brett, is um, the SEC's good. I mean, period. Oh, <laughs> you know, I mean, five of the top six are SEC teams, and then we got two others inside the top 25. So half of our conference is in the top 25. The problem with it for me, Brett, is I thought that we were going to be one of those teams. Like, I thought we were going to be in that mix. You know, and – we're light years behind these guys. And I don't know, like like I said earlier, on on paper we look we looked ready to go, but when we hit the field and we were not ready to go. Um you mentioned the run support. I mean, we lost to Mississippi State nineteen to ten yesterday. <laughs> I mean nineteen to ten. You score ten runs, you should win, not lose by nine. <laughs> like how how is that even possible? Um, I mean, I looking back, looking back at our losses, there, it's not like a major run gap ever. There's 
six to five, six to five, six to five, two to one, four to six, six to seven. I mean, they're all close games. Yeah. It's it's almost like I hadn't watched a ton of games. I've been watching high school baseball more than that, but it's almost like we just can't get balls like on paper looking at it we can't get balls to fall like Mm -hmm. we're hitting two people we're just not getting enough run support and i mean our guys are hitting that's all you can ask them to do and if it's not falling in place then i mean what do you do (laughs) yeah i don't know man i mean baseball is one of them games that you could i mean arkansas is perfect example you know we rolled out there and beat the number one team in the country and we should have had them in game two and we yep. managed to let that one slip away. I mean, you know, it's baseball's a funny game, but buddy, we have consistently found how to lose games. We've lost five straight. Um, our next game is against Georgia Tech in the midweek um, game, and then we start a series with Alabama. So, and Georgia you know, Tech's not easy either. I mean, it's not like an no, outer conference easy game. They're ranked number no. twenty. They're 20 in the country. That's correct. So, you know, uh, I mean, you sweep Alabama and you feel better about it just because sweeping Alabama is <laughs> always fun. But, um, but no, this this team has definitely been a disappointment. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm ready to move on. <laughs> I will say the rest of our SEC looks a little bit – the rest of our SEC schedule looks a little bit easier than the beginning. We have Alabama, then we have Florida, then we have Georgia, LSU. Really none of those teams are – well – Florida's ranked 18. Yeah. Florida's ranked 18, but that's the only one you mentioned that's in the top 25. Besides Georgia right. Tech, who we just said was 20. So, yeah, yeah I mean, maybe it does get easier, but you, you got to win some games. I'll be interested to see how we can close it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, have the guys quit? That's that's going to be a big <laughs> question. I know. I, I really hope they haven't. I really hope that if nothing else, you know, they're going out there and performing for their own personal gain as far mm-hmm. as the draft goes. I mean, we've got, if I can remember quick, correctly, we've got quite a few juniors and seniors. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was the big topic coming into the season is how experienced we were, you know, how many juniors and seniors we had and how we were ready to win. And so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. we got some guys that we're going to lose. So hopefully they can um, put on a good show to close out the season anyway. So uh, let's, let's move on to Auburn basketball because that's Please. a little bit more fun to talk about. Um, big news today, North Carolina transfer Walker Kessler chooses Auburn over, get this, North Carolina where he was and Gonzaga. So Bruce Pearl lands a big one. Um, I think it's also big because of what all we're losing. Uh, Sharif has just declared he's leaving for sure. JT Thor, not sure about him yet. He's kind of getting opinions from NBA guys. Um, we're losing Jamal Johnson to UAB. Shout out to Andy Kennedy. He's put together a team in Birmingham. He's got some SEC starters that came to Birmingham, you know, as transfers. So yeah, I think UAB's Jamal's go- a great addition to that team. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think UAB's going to be a team to watch next year in Conference USA for sure, if not, you know, even making the tournament and making a small run. So, um, Javon Franklin and Turbo both went to South Alabama. Which, you know, I I don't know about that. And that to me, that's kind of odd. But okay. Um, speaking of <laughs> odd, this is the odd one to me. Justin Powell, you know, the whole thing with him at Auburn was a saga anyway. And when he 
just or when he put his name in the transfer portal, everybody just assumed it was Kentucky because that's where he's from. You know, everybody just knew that Cal had been talking to him and told him he could play. You know, Kentucky sucked this year, so it was like almost handing him the keys to the car. And then he shocked everybody and went to Tennessee. So <laughs> I'm not sure about that one. Um, I don't know why you would leave Auburn to go to a team that can't beat Auburn, but whatever. If that's yeah. if that's what you want to do, then good luck to you is all I can say. I mean, I don't know. off guard, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I definitely did not see it coming. Um, and if anything, but, it just kind of adds to the little rivalry that we've built with Tennessee over the past mm-hmm. couple of years in basketball. Yeah. I mean, they've had a couple of good teams, but so have we. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's always good to beat, beat um, you know, Bruce's old team. I know that yeah. makes him feel good. So um, I, I think that all these guys leaving, you can look at it one of two ways, and – at first, I was kind of like, you know, seeing all these guys leave can't be a good thing. But when you look at what's coming in, that's kind of the other side of the coin. These guys are leaving for a reason because they know they're not going to get to play with the guys that's coming in. So, Yeah, if we land the potential that's out there still, mm-hmm. that that are uncommitted, that, you know, have Auburn in their top two or three, if yep. we land even two of those guys, yep. man – we're going to well, be a force to be reckoned with. We've got two scholarship spots left. So, you know, that that would fit right in your wheelhouse if we can get two of them and, and get them on scholarship, man. Could be a fun team to watch next year for sure. Um, yeah. I, I, no, do I think hate it'll be a see, fun team regardless. Yeah, yeah. I do hate to see Sharif leave, but, you know, good luck to him. I mean, I, I really I wish him nothing but the best, obviously. Um I do think he could have benefited from com- for coming back another year, but at the same time, you can't risk throwing all that money away if you were to pop an Achilles or you know, God forbid, just some terrible injury that you just can't recover from. So, yeah, if I don't. It, I don't anything blame I hate it. If anything, I hate it for him that he never got to experience a full jungle yeah. as a player. He yeah. was there as a recruit and saw it, sure, but there's nothing like experiencing as a player. And I really yeah. hate that he never got to experience that. Yeah, I hate it for him, but I hate it for us too. Cause man, yeah. that would have been so much fun. For sure. But um, all right. So let's move on to uh, football, which seems like it's a long way away. But you look up, and a day is this Saturday. Um, some interesting things have happened over the last couple of weeks within the football program. Um, JJ Pegues, which from tight end slash H back slash bulldozer to <laughs> defensive line. Oh, you left quarterback out there. I did. I did. I forgot the Wildcat, J.J. Piggy's quarterback. Um, but he switched to the defensive line. Uh, do you like the move? Marcus, Marcus and I were talking about it earlier, and he, he was all for it. You know, he, he thought that he'd be a better fit over there even than being on the offensive side. So what, what do you think about it? I don't hate it. I mean, if the coaches see something they like and think that our team can benefit from it and that he can benefit from it, then I'm fine with it. Um I, I wouldn't hate seeing him play both ways a little bit. Yeah. Kind of see him on the offensive side just every now and then. Yeah, I mean, you saw it last year, man. He's so hard to bring down with the ball. But, yeah. you know, if he can get on the defensive line and just be hard to block, you know, that's that's doing your job too. So, I mean, truthfully, um, if you give any lineman the ball, they're hard to bring down. Well, that's true. That's true, especially <laughs> at, at this level. So, yeah. Um, Interesting comments from Tank I wanted to hit on just a minute. 
Um, I, I don't have the quote in front of me, but he said something about how the new coaching staff came in and started holding people accountable, and that was a change for some people. I thought that was Shivers that said that. Correct. It was Shivers, not Tank. I apologize. It was Shivers. Um, the only two running backs we got, I got them mixed up. So, um, <laughs> But, yeah, what – what did you take from that? Did you feel like that was a shot at Gus? Did you think it was um, a shot at maybe some of the players on the team? Or how do you see if, that? I think, if anything, it was more of a shot of the players at the players. Um, I don't I don't think any of the guys would have taken a shot at Gus. Like we've said plenty of times, he's a, he's a player's coach. Um, and I think most of the people like him. I do – Marcus mentioned one of the players, and I, I do kind of agree with that, um, and that maybe one of the players wanted to be babied, and if he didn't get his way, he cried about it and stuff like that. I mean, pe- kids think they come in and be superstars, and, you know, if I guess if you're going to treat them that way, then that's a problem, and I like that Harson's coming in holding people responsible. So I hope that it wasn't a, a shot at Gus just because I do still like the guy. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you'd have to ask Shivers that. Yeah. Well, not to get off topic with the Gus thing, but did you see that UCF jerseys are going to have the players' Twitter handles on the back instead of their names? Yeah, I hate it. Uh, I wanted to vomit when I saw it. <laughs> like, wh- what are we doing? I-, I was hoping it was just a joke or it was like an 8 day thing. You know, they were going to do it for 8 day or whatever, or their scrimmage game, whatever they call it. Um, but, no, I-, I think it's their real jerseys that they're going to play in all season. Like all season? I thought it was just a, a spring thing. Oh, maybe it is. I hope it is. I hope it is. God. But I- I was- Either way, it kind of adds to the whole UCF as a joke. Thing yeah, to me. yeah, like, I agree. You can't take them serious. Yeah, no, anybody else could not pull that off. But like UCF, <laughs> it, it fits perfectly for for what they are and what they stand for. I Along agree with their with national 100%. championship banner. Right. So, um. Anyway, back to Auburn for a minute. So another comment that I got today. I mean, I didn't get it, but like I saw, I saw it on Twitter. Um, our tight end Luke Deal. He says that the new offense is way more complex, and it was hard for the team to catch on to. It was more of a pro-style offense. Um, that concerns me a little bit, actually. Um, <laughs> it, in a good way, I, I guess. I'm not necessarily, like, you know, dreading seeing this offense. It's definitely going to be refreshing. But, you know, he admitted that it was kind of hard for the guys to catch on to. So... You know, maybe it's maybe it's a a little bit more than than what we were ready for. Or, you know, I hate to take a shot at Gus here, but maybe Gus's was just so simple that anything would have been much harder to to grasp. You know what I mean? I I tend to lean that way. I think Gus comes in with five or six plays and he runs them into the ground. That was one of my major gripes with Gus. I've never mm-hmm. hid that. Yeah. Um, that comment from Luke Dill, it, it concerns me a little bit, but it also excites me. Yeah. Like, if we can have a multi-dimensional offense and not be predictable, I might be the happiest Auburn football fan <laughs> in the state of Alabama. 
Yeah, that's all you've been crying for for the last eight years. So, literally, I, I could see a <laughs> see a happy breath there. Um, yeah, man, I'm I'm pretty fired up about eight A this week. I'm pretty pissed that it's not on TV. Um, I don't know what that's all about. We've got two whole channels dedicated to SEC, and we can't get scrimmage games on. Of course, you know the mighty Crimson Tide gets an ESPN slot, but not not SEC Network ESPN slot. <laughs> but um, you know Auburn can't get even an SEC Network game. So I mean, is it going to be available on the ESPN app or anything? It's, I have not seen. All I've seen is that it's going to be um, on the radio network. Oh, yikes! So yeah, that's uh, that's frustrating, and not just for Auburn. Like literally, Alabama is the only school in the conference getting their spring game televised. Not Georgia, not Florida, not anybody not named Alabama. So hmm. um, it's kind of frustrating. But no, I'm, I'm always excited about eight a. I'm kind of bummed that I'm not getting to go. Um, that's kind of a yearly tradition for us, but not going to get to go this year. And you know, I'm anxious to see, uh, I guess, see some stats when it's over and, <laughs> you know, pick apart the numbers on paper. But um, yeah. I, I hope they record it and release it afterwards if we're not able to watch it live. Yeah. Just so I can go back and watch it. Yeah, I would, I would settle for that as well. All right, so that's going to wrap up uh, all of our Auburn talk. Um, something else that happened, we we absolutely skipped over this when we were talking about Auburn basketball, but the uh, March Madness is over, and Baylor kind of shocked everybody, in my opinion, and beat Gonzaga pretty handily. Um, I asked you guys right before the game, you know, who are y'all taking, and I'd pick Gonzaga in my bracket, and I'd pick them to be playing Baylor and 30 minutes before tip-off for round one I decided I would change it and of course Baylor made me pay for that but um (laughs) but right before the game you know I told y'all that I I just had a feeling Baylor was going to run away with it and and they did and everybody else was still kind of leaning Gonzaga even though I'm not gonna say even though they survived against UCLA I think everybody felt that Gonzaga had the momentum after the UCLA game, the way they won on the half-court, you know, three-pointer. Um, but, dude, that Final Four was awesome. I mean, you had an 11 seed go from the first four to the Final Four. Um, yep. You know, Houston Houston got in a dogfight that they could not win against Baylor. Uh, Baylor just had – I don't know if it was the experience from playing in the Big 12 all year – that was kind of what I told y'all, you know, I was worried about Gonzaga's not not having to play the hard teams. You know, Baylor kind of had been there before. So, you know, when I told y'all I was going to go with Baylor right before the game started, that's kind of why I just felt like it was going to be um, – I, I just felt like the experience was going to show up, and it did, and Baylor – Baylor beat him pretty good. So, shout out to uh, Davion Mitchell for getting his ring, former Auburn Tiger. And uh, Jared Butler, also from Alabama, went to Baylor. I didn't know if you knew that. Um, yep, I did. A couple of my Alabama buddies didn't even know that Jared Butler was from Alabama, so good for them. I'm sure I, I didn't anyway. know it until it was about the Final Four and I saw saw a headline yeah. somewhere, a tweet somewhere that said it. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, congrats to Baylor for – for winning the March Madness, and you know, even more than that, congrats to everybody for putting on a whole season. You know, it was tough, and the kids had to be away from their family and their friends for a long time. 
you know there wasn't none of this going home for the holidays or anything like that so really congrats to everybody for pulling it off and and putting on a good show for us so anyway um moving on the masters was this weekend and that's all of our favorite tournament i believe um i was shocked i'm not gonna lie i was shocked by by the way it turned out um what about you shocked the world i think you shocked the world i mean i don't i don't know that anybody that i know of picked him to win yeah um you know in our little group we had talked kind of for a week and a half leading up to it and the names we threw out were the big names that you expect to be there. The Justin Thomases, Jordan Spieth, Xander Schauffele, you know, even the, God forbid, Patrick Reed. You know, those, those were the guys who had won at Augusta before that, that you expected to be there. And, um, you know, the Spieth and Schauffele finished tied for third, but they were three shots off the lead. Like, Hideki Matsuyama, man, props to him because he smoked the field. Um, I know he only ended up winning by one shot, but it was just kind of the way he did it. You know, after the rain delay in round three, he came out on fire. (laughs) And it was like, you know, how did that help him that much and not everybody else? But, you know, he he finished round three at 11 under with a four-shot lead. And I'll be honest, I I was not that fired up about round four. I just felt like it was (laughs) over. I, I really did. Like, we had talked all all week about you know justin rose had led after the first second and third round and we knew that he was not going to hang on he was going to find a way to lose it and he did you know he finished at five under but when matsuyama got that lead i felt like it was over i i just did not expect him to to you know choke but i will say it did get interesting there at the end when he uh put one in the water on 15 and shuffle comes right back in birdies and it was a two-shot swing and the lead went from four to two with three holes left. And I was like, okay, all right. So it's going to be interesting after all. And then Shoffley remembered where he was and triple bogeyed 16 <laughs> and it was over. But, um, hey, I'm going to give you a, you know, a I mean, stat I, real quick. All right. You, you care to guess how many holes Xander Shoffley had played since he last had a triple bogey? I had heard I heard this number. I don't I don't remember the number, but it was outrageous. Go go ahead and tell it to me. One thousand and forty two holes since he and last is, triple bogeyed. And that was only in majors, right? Or was that overall? Uh, I thought I heard I thought I heard him say on the broadcast he had played like a thousand something holes in majors without a triple bogey. Let me look. It won't take me long. Okay. Well, I mean, you think about it. It's 72 holes a tournament, and I don't think he's played in that many. I mean, he would have had to play in 70 majors, so there's no way that that's just majors. That would no, have that to is be. Majors. Is it? That's how many holes in majors Xander Schauffele went without a triple bogey until wow. the 16th hole Sunday at the Masters. When he had cut the lead to two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's tough. That's, that's tough. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I really I thought he was going to come back, and I thought, you know, maybe we'd have a playoff going out of eighteen, and mm. I was I was pulling for Xander. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I was too. I mean, I I hate to sound like that guy, but like you just want an American to win the Masters. Like it, it's just yeah. kind of you know that and the U.S. Open. The rest of them you yeah. don't care. You'll pull for anybody, but <laughs> but like those two, it feels like that's our home turf. You know, um, but no, yeah, Matsuyama. He, 
he was under pressure, man. He didn't just have pressure from himself. He was carrying Japan on his shoulders. And, you know, that, that was clutch. I mean, the dude did not choke. He ended up one over, you know, for the final round, but he uh, he come up to 18 kind of like Tiger did in 19. You know, he just needed a bogey to win, and, yep. you know, he, that's all he did. So Yeah, you can um, tell he was getting emotional walking up to 18. Oh, yeah. It was yeah, kind of sinking dude. in for him. Dude, I, mean, I could not I, imagine I will say I was, I was pulling for Xander going into it, those final few holes, but seeing the way that he carried himself and finished and the respect that he showed – like not even just the other players, but the course and everything. Yeah, it yeah. made me like him a whole lot. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's going to be hard to pull that, against him. Ever. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, he's one of the guys you can't really help but like. Um, I tell you, I was impressed. I, I I don't like this guy, but I was definitely impressed with the new guy, Will Zelatoris. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is that I don't like about him. He's got a very arrogant attitude for somebody who i've never even heard of but to come out and finish second by yourself yeah to finish second by yourself at the masters you know as a nobody that's that's pretty impressive so hats off to the kid because he he played four great rounds of golf at augusta and not a lot of people can say that so um, even if i was very good at golf if it was my first time at the masters there's no telling how many balls will be in the woods in the water no doubt props to that guy yeah i mean that that's that's big no doubt mr gilmore's caddy mr gilmore's caddy you know i um i saw a picture and it had a line from the movie on like on his on one of his wedges it had a line and it was like (laughs) i'll be your caddy anytime or stuff like that it was so funny but um (laughs) but no i mean it was a good tournament you know it it never disappoints uh i I'd watch another tournament there this weekend. You know, it's just sure. just something about it, man. I, I love it so much. And um, I was talking to my dad, you know, and he he was telling me. He said I've never like been so invested in a in a Masters tournament until this year. Like like he's always watched it, but he said for some reason I was just so into this one. And I I don't know what it is. The coverage was great. Um, we did have kind of a little bit of a hard time watching the guys we wanted to watch. I thought that was yeah. kind of odd. And then I saw a lot of people griping about how, you know, it didn't get a lot of TV TV time, but it's gotten the same amount for as many years as the tournament's been on TV. So, Yeah, if you're I trying to watch people, the Masters and you don't have the Masters app, you're doing it wrong, first of yeah, all. Yeah, that's but on you. the groupings were weird, and the featured groups were weird. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, it... It's just one of those things. I mean, it, it just the, going into the Masters, it felt different because Tiger wasn't going to be there. So yeah. I was a little bit down on it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But once it started up, I mean, you can't <laughs> you can't be a golf yeah. fan and not yeah. watch the Masters. You can't ignore it. Yeah. And I the think, beautifulness I think that been, of that course. Good lord. I think that might have been it for Dad because he hates Tiger, which is, he may be the only person on earth that hates Tiger. I don't know. But he's he's a big Phil guy, so he was happy to see Phil break even. But um, he made you know, that's, the cut. <laughs> that's that's where the guy we picked to win finished too. So, you know, Justin Thomas struggled mightily in this tournament, and I was very surprised by that. Because even after you know the second round, halfway through the third round, he was in a good spot. You know, he was five yep. six under, just a few off the lead, and then he finishes at even, and it's like, dude, what happened? Yeah, but Jordan Spieth looks good though. Yeah, 
Yeah, Jordan had a lot of putts that were just inches from going in and changing the whole tournament. Yep. Um, Man, his last eight starts have been impressive. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan's back. I, I, I mean, he only has he only has one of his last eight starts out of the top fifteen. Yeah, I, I jumped on it, you know, back when he started this run, and I said, you know, I, I said I feel like Jordan's back, and y'all were like, well, let's pump the brakes a little bit, give it some time. <laughs> but I think everybody's on board now. I, th- I think Jordan's back. He's he's definitely feeling it. So well, I think to be fair, after you said that, that was the week that he uh, it was it he was. made Thank the cut you. and tied for forty eighth. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate so. <laughs> you bringing that up. But, no, it, it definitely was. But um, he's rebounded well since that, for sure. That's true. So, uh, all right, well, that's going to wrap up the Masters. Let's let's move on to the MLB. And, boy, <laughs> boy, do we have a lot to talk about in the MLB. <laughs> so, so today is Monday, April 12th, and I would like to take you back to a time on Sunday, April the 11th, when the Braves and Phillies on national television in a tied ball game in the ninth inning Runner on third, and a shallow fly ball to left, and the play at the plate. The guy was originally called safe. I do not have a problem with that. It was a close play. I'm giving the ump benefit of the doubt. Then we go to the replay, <laughs> and I'm yelling at my TV, okay? There's no way he's safe. There is no... He never touched the plate. Well... New York saw it differently, and they they <laughs> upheld the call and called him safe. Brett, why do we have replay if we're still going to miss the call? I honestly don't understand what MLB is doing. I mean, how do you miss that call? Everybody in the world can see it, and it's obvious. How Dude. can you say there is not enough evidence to overturn that when his foot is not even close to home plate? Mike it Trout said it was a bad call. Mike Trout said it was a bad call. The nicest guy in MLB. He would Trashing never. the review. <laughs> like, that tells you, <laughs> okay. I, just, I could, I really, I couldn't believe it. I just, like, I stared at my TV. And I was, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I could not believe what was happening. Um, so tonight, in true MLB fashion, uh, they're going to give a makeup call to Atlanta and a uh, guy from Miami was still in second and they called him safe initially. So they go to the replay and there was nothing there to overturn it. And the ups come back and call the guy out. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? Like, there is no consistency. And, and of course, like, you know, I kid about the makeup call, but it's so frustrating to not have any kind of explanation. And that's, that's kind of what the guys in the, in the booth we're talking about earlier is, you know, if the ump would have come on last night and said he was safe because the catcher blocked the plate the wrong way. Okay. At least give me an explanation and, and there's nothing, you know, and and it's not the ump's fault. You know, the ump didn't review it and come back and say safe. The guys in New York told the ump what to say. So you can come out and you can argue with the ump all day long, but it's really not even on him once it goes to New York. So, yeah. So, I don't know. So talking about New York, let me ask you this. I saw this today, and I thought I've never thought about this, but it's interesting to me. I want to see if you agree with it or not. Okay. So this guy on Twitter said, "Review in the booth in New York would be so much better if the guys in the booth in New York did not know what the call on field was." 
So if the guys in New York doesn't know if he's called safe or out, and they're just handed a play and said, here, review this. Um, I saw that too. I just feel like it's impossible. Like you think about that play last night. You see the play, and you see the ump standing right there, and the first thing he does is call safe. Like True. you're never going to be able to watch a play and not know the ump's call because the ump is always like right in the middle of the play. You know what I mean? It's a good thought in theory for sure. Yeah. But I, I just don't think there's a way to do it. I, I really don't. Um, if there was a way to do it, you know, if you could like blur out the ump or something, <laughs> you know, maybe. But I mean that that really would be the only that that would be my only fault with that with that plan. Yeah. Um, you know that again the the guys in the booth were talking about it tonight. You know, Frank Orr said you almost feel like the guys in New York New York were taking up for their team. You know, you didn't want to overturn the call in a big game like that because your aunt made that call. And I don't care about that. You know, I I feel like that home plate ump last night, when he went back and watched it, said, ooh, I missed it. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, I, I don't think that he was that prideful. And I I don't know. I was I was very frustrated by the game last night. I, I will say yeah. that. The guy who slid into home watched the replay once he got back to the dugout. Yeah. You could tell by the look on his face he knew he, he was knew out. He knew he was out. Yeah. He was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. But And of course he went nuts when they called him safe. But yeah. Who well, I mean, anybody would. But <laughs> I, yeah, I don't fault that guy. You know? Yeah. I mean, all he did was slide in. It was just, I don't know, man. Like I said, the inconsistency with the whole replay, you know, the whole situation is just a mess. Um, but. Right now, as we're doing this this podcast, the Braves and Marlins are tied at three in the bottom of the ninth, and the Marlins brought in a relief pitcher, and in two pitches, he hit Austin Riley and Alex Jackson, so he put two guys on base in two pitches. Um, Is he still in? Yeah, he's still in. So, we'll see if NCR can get the guys over and and walk this thing off, but... um, (laughs) Let's give an update real quick of the standings. We're only going to do the NL and AL East because that's kind of where our teams are. Um, if anybody is listening and has teams in other divisions that you would like for us to talk about, we will do that. But um, we got the Red Sox, Yankees, and Braves all in the AL and NL East, so that's the that's the two we're going to talk about. Um, Boston, uh, Marcus isn't here to, you know, kind of – put the Yankees on their pedestal so we'll just go ahead and say that Boston's the best team in the AL and you know be done with it uh, they they're leading the AL East right now by two games over literally everybody um, it's a tie for second with the other four teams and Boston's two games ahead and my TV just cut off uh. but um anyway yeah so I mean obviously come on it's two weeks in but this is a completely different Boston team than we saw last year already. You know, I mean, let's, they're let's winning hope games. It stays that way. They're winning games, so it's it's a different Boston team. They're winning um, games. Dre Day Martinez is hitting. Devers is hitting. Yes, everybody's it's a nice hitting. Change. It is. It's nice to have Alex Cora back on the bench. Should have never been <laughs> removed from the bench, in my opinion, but that's my oh, opinion. Thank God Marcus isn't here. I know, I know. That's really the only, only reason I went there. He's he's gonna oh, listen to this. conversation. <laughs> he's gonna listen to this later, and we're gonna get some nasty texts. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, it's early, but the Red Sox do lead the AL East by two games. Um, the Phillies have the lead in the NL East by two 
over the Braves and Mets and three and a half over the Marlins and Nationals. So, um, both Atlanta and Boston got off to super slow starts, though. Uh, Atlanta got swept, and if I'm not mistaken, Boston did too in the first Absolutely series. Absolutely did. Yep. By, by Baltimore, of yep. all people. 0 3. So, um, both teams have, have definitely bounced back, though. Um, Atlanta was hot until last night. They had won five straight, and then the uh, replay officials in New York decided that was going <laughs> to end. So, props to them. Um, but no, the the Braves look kind of like I expect them to look. They really picked up where they left off last year. Not a whole lot of turnover on the roster, which is great. Um, that's, that's a big help. I I feel like they've got a lot of production from Pablo Sandoval of all people. Um, he's he's come in and and had some big hits off the bench. Had a good at bat tonight in the game. Um. But yeah, that was a interesting pickup. He kind of earned his way onto the onto the team through spring training. So you know, shout out to him. Um, Brett, anything about Boston you want to kind of hit on? Any any surprises or disappointments? Uh, not yet. I'm sure yeah. eventually there'll be some upsets, but um, I'm real happy to see JD back hitting. Um, Devers made a heck of a play last night, and if you recall. I said that Devers was the third baseman to watch this year. You did. You a, did. a few episodes ago. So yeah. let's hope he, he keeps doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I um, will say the freaking Padres look good. Yeah. I, and I, I hate that not, Tatis got I know hurt. that they're not covered by our uh, conferences, but yeah, the Dodgers you know, and the t- Padres. Tatis is going to be a battle over there. Did you see that, though? No. How long is he out for? I don't know, but he had a non-contact injury, and those are never good. He swung he swung at a very bad pitch, and it was a very awkward swing, and he went to the ground and, like, didn't move. It was something with his arm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure, like, what the injury was or how long he's out, but it, it definitely didn't look good. That's a big blow for them. Um, they did get their first no-hitter the other night, so shout-out to them. They were the only team in the MLB to never have a no-hitter. And That's crazy. It's better to to finally get there last and not get there at all. So Well, did you see that the catcher he caught the last no hitter in the MLB and this no hitter? No. Yeah. Last season he caught the last no hitter wherever it was at, I don't remember. And now he caught the first one this year. It's like the first time it's ever happened in the MLB. I love baseball. <laughs> I love baseball. Because <laughs> of stuff like that, man. Oh, you but, know what um, does upset me about the Red Sox? I'll tell you one what's thing. What's that? All right. Bet attendee's not there anymore. Yeah, yeah. I saw was... him the other night in a Royals jersey, and I didn't like it at all. No, no, that was a very Atlanta thing for Boston to do. I, I was I shocked. I, I remember texting you when that happened, and I was like, I cannot believe that they let that guy go for basically nothing, too. Like, yeah, they got like two prospects in the bullpen or something. Like, it was literally nothing. Yeah, I, I don't remember what my response was to that text, but I'm sure it wasn't very. No, it, you nice. weren't happy. Yeah, wasn't podcast worthy. No, no. But um, all right. Well, we're not. We're actually going to skip our last two segments. Marcus isn't here to do his plainsman poll, and I'll be honest, I didn't get a tweet together for the tweet of the week <laughs> this week. So, um, that's going to wrap up episode eight. Um, we missed Marcus tonight, but we hadn't done one in a while. Kind of wanted to catch everybody up, so. 
Hopefully y'all enjoyed it. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow us on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, at Plainsman Pod. Uh, still haven't got that Instagram page up. That's my bad. Um, maybe, maybe one day we'll pull that off. If we do, we'll let y'all know. Um, but anyway, we will see y'all next time. And until then, War Eagle. War Eagle.